While some may be taking a look at Jimmy Garoppolo and what he's done with the San Francisco 49ers, there's another eligible bachelor that's getting all of the attention. We got all that and a lot more coming up for you on today's episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Locked On NFL, your daily podcast, getting you everything you need to know around the biggest stories around the NFL in less than 30 minutes. It is Tuesday. You've got Lauren Cox at Cox Sports One on Twitter and myself, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Luke is on his way back from Europe. I am fresh off the, the plane from London. So, uh, you know, we're, we're shuffling things around a little bit here to make sure everybody's getting the rest that they need. So big thanks to Lauren for coming through and a big thank you to all of you for making us your first listen of the day every day don't forget we're free and available on all podcast apps and on youtube as well and of course we appreciate you very much for being here with us for another episode of locked on nfl lauren it was uh, a a bit of a well, it was a one-sided victory. It was a one-sided game last night between the uh, Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. You feel like there's something here around Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think there's another eligible bachelor that everybody's talking about. Yeah, defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, I mean, he, he's doing such a great job this season, and he has been now for a couple of years. He's the number one defense in the NFL through these first four games, and you felt like you know, they pretty well shut down Matthew Stafford and, and a Rams offense that we've seen do some pretty great things. They've been mm-hmm. already successful a lot this season, and you know, they've got a great cast wide receivers, no, no real scoring in the passing game there. Of course, they shut down the running game completely and got, got a couple of turnovers in there as well. It really felt like a holistic defensive performance on all three levels and that's not much more you can ask for from a defensive coordinator yeah for sure and especially I mean look you come into this game if you're the Los Angeles Rams the game plan is simple right you have some injuries up front things like that that you're concerned about you have all of this sort of changeover within the interior you're still working on replacing your star left tackle who retired over the offseason you go to the quick passing game you go to Cooper Cup I mean how much easier does that game plan get but the San Francisco 49ers doing a phenomenal job adjusting to it. I mean, the, uh, uh, the, um, what is the safety's name? Talanoa Hufunga. I want to make sure I get his name right. The Talanoa Hufunga, uh, interception, the pick six, quick read. You know, they're going to Cooper Cup. You know what they've been doing all game. Like these types of adjustments that you're making on the fly, not just what you're putting together on the first snap, but the way that you're adjusting and re and reacting to the way that the game goes. D'Amico Ryan has these guys playing out of their minds right now. So the question then becomes, does that translate to a head coaching job? You know, if other teams looking around and saying, okay, let's go get the guy who's operating at least currently the number one defense in the NFL. Can they, can he do it on, on my team? If I'm looking mm-hmm. to hire him It's because I look at the 49ers defense and, you know, D'Amico Ryan's, he's only been a defensive coordinator for a couple of seasons now. Now you don't want to hold that against him purely, but a lot of this defense is, is really talented and it's, it's players he inherited or players that were already really good. You know, he's already got walked into Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and a really strong defensive line. Not you a bad situation. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned Ufunga, who's a fifth round pick that, that he drafted, but mm-hmm. really, I mean, he's he's emerged at such a great level. Did did the coaching staff automatically unlock this from him that he wouldn't have done already? Or was he just this good of a gem kind of coming into this situation? So you can sort of see, like, yeah, he's doing a great job and you want to keep that success going, but how much is on the general manager and the staff and the, and the roster they put together defensively and how much is the coordinator 
getting more out of these players. Yeah, it's a tough thing to kind of measure, right? Because usually what you're looking at in terms of development is you're really looking at an entire staff of people, not just one individual. So how much of that translates or walks with DeMarco Ryans into, or excuse me, D'Amico Ryans into a head coaching position? We see it all around the NFL all the time. Some guys just make really phenomenal coordinators, but don't necessarily make the best head coaches. That sometimes is simply the case. And this isn't, you know, a Shanahan tree. This isn't a McVay tree. We're not talking about playwriters here. We're talking about a defensive guy who oftentimes the defensive sort of minded head coaches in the open head coaching market tend to be the less desirable ones and the guys that can dial up 40 points a game on the offensive side and all that. So there are a lot of things to consider here. But if we're going to kind of go forward with the hypothetical, let's go forward with the hypothetical. If D'Amico Ryans is a head coach next year, where do you feel like he makes the most sense? Is there a place that he can go where he inherits another talented defense and then gets to make the most out of them? You know, <laughs> it, it seems like if, if he's going to go to a team that has a head coach opening, they're probably not going to have right. a super talented defense. Right? <laughs> like maybe the Carolina Panthers, if if they move on from, from Matt Rule, it's not like... Good pieces, a, a, though. They have pieces, but it's not a holistic defense. Maybe right. at, by the time you, you get him in there and he's able to put sort of his guys in a few different extra spots. I mean, you can see something like that with some of the young players they have there kind of, you know, taking a few steps forward in what they're looking to do Mm -hmm. uh, around there. Otherwise, you know, Houston, do you go from, if they move on from Lovey Smith after a year, (laughs) no, they want Josh McCown, but do you go from defensive head coach to defensive head coach? Another place that has some young pieces, but it's not like, you know, ready made for the Ryans to come in and, and, really just install what he wants to install. There's going to be some work no matter where he goes. I forgot. Well, not forgot, but I I didn't consider in this equation the Josh McCown factor, which is such a weird thing <laughs> to have to factor in to next year's coaching cycle. It's going to be so strange. I think the Carolina Panthers are probably the best place for him. You've got Brian Burns. You've got guys like Shaq Thompson, as well as, of course, Jeremy Chin, who is an absolute baller. You've got, you know, J.C. Horn. You've got uh, right across from him, Dante Jackson, who has some trouble staying healthy. But, you know, they have good pieces there, C.J. Henderson, so forth. So they have some really good pieces over on the defensive side. You just need to kind of see all of it come together of course oh and of course Derek Brown like right in the middle of all of that as well so they have a lot of good pieces over there so I feel like that maybe is a place where if he does get that opportunity next year and the Carolina Panthers I think need to go as far away from Matt Rule as possible if they go away from Matt Rule which seems like that's kind of the writings on the walls maybe there already um then you're able to do that but you know do you instead try to go with the quarterback and quarterback whisperer uh, pairing at head coach and quarterback because I don't know that Baker Mayfield's going to be the guy for them next year based off of what they've seen. Julian Council over at Locked on Packers, oh, excuse me, Locked on Panthers, already saying that Carolina Panthers unequivocally have the worst quarterback situation in the NFL through four games so or through four weeks. And so I don't know, does, does D'Amico Ryans, can he do enough on the defensive side to kind of overcome what you're doing on the offensive side or overcome your your shortcomings at the quarterback position? And can you maybe find an offensive coordinator that could be that QB whisperer? I think, you know, you'd have to find the multiple pieces there to make it all click. Yeah, whoever they bring in is going to inherit Matt Corral, not that they're going to be locked in. Yeah, good point. Yeah. He's sitting there on injured reserve right now. And we kind of forget they do have, you know, that long-term option sort of sitting there somewhere. But yeah, it's like you said, quarterback whisper is going to be a big key there. Or are they just going to be bad enough that they draft high enough that the next head coach could get his own guy and say, sorry, Matt, we just we, we didn't inherit you. We didn't want you to be there and we'll we'll let you kind of go. 
Yeah, yeah, we give you an opportunity elsewhere, kind of like what we saw with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And we've seen all that all worked out. So anyway, uh, but... <laughs> 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 so coming up next, we're going to we're going to discuss a little bit more about the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo, is he back or are the is the situation around him just really good? And what does that mean for the San Francisco 49ers, NFC West and the rest of the NFC? We have that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on NFL. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Athletic Greens and their I will say nothing short of miraculous AG1 powder. Our next partner has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I didn't want to have to take a bunch of different multivitamins all, you know, every single morning. I would forget. I didn't like the chewable ones. I would forget the other ones. I, I just had a whole bunch of trouble with all of it. But this makes me feel a little bit more disciplined, easy to, to, to kind of, uh, to, to keep a regiment with because I keep it right next to where I keep the coffee beans, basically nice and easy, right? So I have all my coffee fixings and I have my AG1 powder and then I'm able to go in, grab a scoop and then dump that in, have that before I have the coffee and everything, get and jumpstart everything that I need for the rest of the day, helps keep my energy up, helps keep me focused throughout the day, which as many people know, Lauren, I struggle with focus sometimes. So <laughs> AG, AG1's been a, been, a, been a big help for me there. And also helping with things like gut health, digestion, stuff like that as well. So to make it easy so you can try it on your own. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs, which I actually took with me to London. Those came in clutch with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NFL network to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, everybody, continuing on with another episode of Locked On NFL. Lauren Cox, Ross Jackson here with you today on this beautiful Tuesday. So we are four weeks through the NFL season. Under usual circumstances, Lauren, we would call this the first quarter of the season done in a 16-game season. Now it's kind of like first quarter because we have a weird, oddly placed game. Uh, they're going to be speaking about everything going on with week five coming up here on the Locked On NFL YouTube page and Locked On NFL podcast with our NFL Key Predictions show. So you want to make Make sure that you're catching that as well, which will drop every Friday. Get the insight on all the five biggest games around the league from our local NFL experts. But today, let's focus on San Francisco 49ers, NFC West, NFC. Those are three things we want to take a look at because the NFC is basically just as hectic as we expect. And last night's game between the San Francisco 49ers and Los Angeles Rams might have been just the perfect display of exactly that. Yeah, the, the 49ers are such a weird team that like <laughs> I, I I'm I'm left-handed because you know I host Locked On Bears and I watched the Chicago Bears beat the 49ers in, in week one. Mm -hmm. And it's not a great Chicago Bears team, although that game was in a downpour, the, what they call the monsoon in Chicago. Yep. It, the rain was incredible, the wind was all over, the field was kind of messy. It it was one of those games that I don't think either team is necessarily saying this is indicative of, of who we were, but at the same time. They had some real flaws, and that was even a Trey Lance game. So you think, you know, the whole point of going to Trey Lance was to open things up a little bit more in the offense and be more dynamic. And you go back to Jimmy G, and you know they lose a game to the Broncos. That again, we're not super sure how great the Broncos are. They're kind right. of a, a flimsy, a, a flimsy two and two right now, and they were a flimsy two and one. And so, but but like their two division, their two wins have been divisional games against the Seahawks and and the Rams. So it's like, oh, well, like they're they seem to be in the driver's seat a bit in that division because. You know, the Cardinals and under Cliff are having some issues there. We just saw them mm -hmm. beat the Rams and they beat the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, it's like, I guess, I guess it's sort of them, but we don't fully believe in 
Jimmy Garoppolo as being the difference maker because that's why they switched over to Trey Lance in the first place. Right. Well, think about what Jimmy Garoppolo has at his disposal, too. I mean, certainly that makes a huge difference in terms of the team's ability to be successful. I don't want to say in spite of the quarterback, but I think that there's a reality in which you have quarterbacks that can win you games, you have quarterbacks that can lose you games, and sometimes the deciding factor between those are who he's throwing the ball to. Yeah, and you think we've sort of seen this this process with him before, though, right? Like regular right. season, when he when he's been healthy and the 49ers as a team have been healthy, they, yeah, they, they've run, on, run away with the division at times and looked like kind of the clear favorite there, but then... Now they get to the postseason and you need that quarterback to step up and make a big play in the fourth quarter against another team that has a, a nearly equally good defense and nearly equally good weapons and is firing on all cylinders too. Then it, that's when it comes down to that quarterback and it feels like 49ers are, are, are stuck on that same path hoping for a different result at the end. Yeah, yeah. And now you have the uh, San Francisco 49ers, you have the Los Angeles Rams, Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks, all in that NFC West division, all at two and two all knotted up from top to bottom in that division. Which of these teams, Lauren, do you think has a realistic chance of pulling away before the season's over? It, it does feel to me like in the regular season, it, it's the 49ers that, mm-hmm. that will pull away. Although I will say like, I'm a big fan of Geno Smith and I'm a believer in what he's been doing there. And I think he's, he's playing really, really well, but they just don't have a great set of pieces around him to your, to your earlier point. Like the defense has really been struggling and he's got some good wide receivers, but mm-hmm. hasn't always all clicked, you know, across the whole roster. So it's like, it's hard to have a ton of faith in them. And otherwise you might think, I mean, the Rams, cause we just saw them in the Super Bowl, and we right. know like, you know how good they can be, but they just lost to the 49ers and didn't look particularly good. And you have the Matthew Stafford elbow questions and w- whether or not his health is going to hold up for the entire length of the season. So it feels like 49ers by default, but that's just kind of the thing we've seen most recently. And that every it seems like every week, what we've seen most recently and what we think about the division is going to change. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think that this this conversation reforms every single week, depending upon, you know, which one or two or three teams win or which one team loses, whatever it might be, depending upon how the schedule shakes out. It's so interesting to me that we don't immediately just say, well, it's the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, they're going to be the team that's going to end up separating because, as you mentioned, they were the ones in the Super Bowl last year that won the Super They're the world champions, blah, blah, blah. But it is really hard after watching a performance like last night on Monday Night Football, seeing them get within the 20, get in their red zone three different times, walk away with three different field goals, and then not have a single play go over 20 yards from scrimmage. Matthew Stafford's not able to push the ball down the field. The uh, you know Your only real option in terms of moving the ball has been Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup had 14 receptions last night, his career high. The guy is you know really good, but he's not going to be able to win you gains by yourself. Trust me, I watched them try to do it in New Orleans with Michael Thomas when he caught 149 catches in a season and broke Marvin Harrison's longstanding record. Now, that team was one that still made the playoffs, but they weren't able to be carried by one receiver. You have to have the multiple weapons. And, and we thought... It's oh, go ahead. It, it's weird because like this offseason, like I think you were about to get to when you said you thought that... like. We thought there were going to be a more loaded up team, you know, when they go out and sign Allen Robinson and bring in some different pieces there and they you know, added the backfield a little bit. Like this was supposed to be a Rams offense and a Rams team that was like, oh, they won the Super Bowl and they reloaded. Right. Yep. I mean, get, yep. There's always going to be some turnover there, but like they they were able to add additional pieces and it was like, oh, they, this team should be good to go. And yet, you know, nine points against the San Francisco 49ers, like you mentioned, the those trips to the red zone ending in three, like that's what a team like the Chicago Bears offense does mm-hmm. when they're not when they can't even throw the ball consistently downfield. Not not the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. And I don't think we were expecting a Matthew Stafford 
touchdown to interception ratio of four to six at this point in the season. Ain't that the truth? And and to be in a situation to where you have no fourth quarter interceptions at all in the 2021 season, where you lead this team to uh, to you know a, a Super Bowl, lead them to the promised land, and now he has several uh, throughout the first four games of the season already. I mean, it's just. It's not looking good right now in Los Angeles, but maybe it all clicks and it all all comes together. I don't think Allen Robinson is in a situation yet to where he's missing Mitch Trubisky at all. I think he's still in the best quarterback situation that he's been in, and I know that that means a lot to you, uh, Lauren. But it's, so I think we just need to see it all click. Yeah, we have we and we just haven't yet. But given how how well they've been coached and how well they've come together o- over the years, like we we have some faith that a Sean McVay led team. We'll start to figure things out a little bit more than we saw on Monday night football. Absolutely. Uh, The division leaders right now, when it comes across the NFC are the Philadelphia Eagles, the only remaining undefeated team in the conference. The Cowboys, not far behind giants, not far behind three in one, both of those teams with the commanders one in three, the NFC East is not at all what we thought it would be so far going into this year. We talked about the NFC West, which is all knotted up from top to bottom Vikings and Packers tied atop the NFC North, pretty much as we expected expected three and one for both of them bears though two and two don't sleep on them just yet right lauren and in the I, uh sleep on that, sleep on that. Please do. Sleep on the lions at one and three they're number one scoring offense in the nfl that's right 32nd rank scoring defense in the nfl they've i think they've scored like a record number of points and allowed a record number of points that's pretty incredible that's going to be a fun season to continue to follow the Detroit lions and then uh in the nfc south the bucks and falcons sitting tied at two and two with the saints and panthers down there at one and three um i guess the, the the last question here in terms of the nfc as a whole you look at the nfc east philadelphia eagles four and oh dallas cowboys new york giants with three and one who's the real deal out of this trio of teams so obviously right now, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are the real deal, but I just wonder if when Dak Prescott gets back for mm-hmm. the Cowboys and, and certainly like Cooper Rush has played well, and I, I don't want to take anything away from Cooper Rush, but I tend to be a believer in Dak Prescott. I know there's a quite a wide gulf on that, but I think he can be a difference maker for this team and offer them a, a bit more than what Cooper Rush has just in terms of like the physical talent that they have at the quarterback position. I know like Cooper's been taking care of the ball and, and making some nice throws downfield, but I think Dak with, with his legs being able to open things up just a little bit more. And we've seen him play football at, at fairly high levels when it's Dak that's throwing the CD lamb and, and, and Noah Brown and having the kind of offensive success that I think he, he can, once he sort of gets back to speed and gets on the same page with these players. Plus they've been running the ball pretty well with Elliot and Pollard and mm-hmm. the defense has been, has been picking up where it left off. Like yep. it feels like it's tailor made for Dak to come back and kind of build off what Cooper rush has done and, and take things forward. I mean, Cooper's gotten uh, some fairly more favorable matchups and whenever Dak comes back, like their next few games are Rams and Eagles. And that's going to be tough, but then, you know, maybe Lions, bears, Packers, they play the NFC North four weeks in a row, Lions, bears, Packers, Vikings, oh, wow. That'll be a good test for them to, you know, against another division that's still sort of feeling itself out to mm-hmm. see what they can do. But it's, it's not to take away from the Eagles that I think are legitimately a very good football team. And they're definitely in the driver's seat. But I, I want to see what happens when Dak gets back. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And especially, I mean, look, the Dallas Cowboys, if they have a winning record, particularly if they're, you know, winning, if their, you know, deficit is is greater than two, right? If they have a winning record when Dak Prescott comes back, that's a really, really nice setup for them. Coming up next, Lauren and I are going to wrap up the show with our biggest yike of the week. We'll each give you the biggest yike, the thing that should have gone well, that didn't go well, or the thing that didn't go well, and we all knew it was going to not go well. Any, any of the two. We'll get to that here in just a moment. 
First, we want to tell you about our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, in-depth articles, and analysis on every game. You can find not just your favorite pro football games, but across the board, Major League Baseball playoffs right around the corner here, plus tennis, soccer, boxing, all the combat sports, live in-game betting as well. I had a few bets in on the Bears Giants game this past week, and I I won't say they they went particularly well for me when it was all said and done. But <laughs> BetOnline is always the place I go because I know I'm going to get the best odds and the best lineups and a, a bunch of fun prop bets as well. I had some first half props on that game as well. So head on over to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about all the different trends and action you need to know. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, wrapping up this episode of Locked on NFL here on a beautiful Tuesday. Lauren Cox, Ross Jackson here with you today. We're going to wrap up quickly here today with our biggest yike of the week, the thing that just didn't go the way that we expected or that we all knew wasn't going to go well that didn't. Lauren, what's your biggest yike from week four? Well, I hope to not take it from you, but my, my biggest yike is what happened to Trevor Lawrence in that game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Fumbles the ball four times yeah. and throws an interception in there. And first three fumbles all lead to scores for Philadelphia. The interception leads to score for Philadelphia. And then the last fumble comes on the last drive when the Jaguars are trying to drive downfield and come back and retake the lead at, you know, late in this game or with a chance that I guess it would have been a tie because they were down eight. They would have to go for two. But regardless, it, it was that clutch drive moment and, and another fumble from Trevor Lawrence. And you know he had been playing so well. The Jaguars had been one of the fun surprise teams of the league so far. And certainly this loss to the Eagles doesn't take that away. It doesn't mean all of a sudden, oh, the Jaguars are bad now and weren't mm-hmm. good because the Eagles are kind of the bad, the cream of the crop right now. So right. like they lost to a good team that might very well be a better team, but the way in which they did it, you know, a 14, nothing lead in the first quarter, they were in cruise control. It was like this Jaguar seems going to beat the only undefeated team left. They're a really good team. And it just, one after another, after another, you just like, it can't happen again, right? Like he's, he's good. He'll be good. It happened twice. Like, okay, bad luck. He's out of his system. And it's like, again, and then the interception, it's just like, man, I feel, I feel more bad. It's more of a, I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence, but it's still big yikes. Yeah. We're, we're very much in, in, in similar categories here. Cause like you said, like, that's not really something you look at Trevor Lawrence. You're like, Oh, Trevor Lawrence is the big yike. The yike is that it happened to Trevor Lawrence, who was like so close to, you know, kind of taking that next step. And imagine like the way that we would be talking about Trevor Lawrence right now, if that, you know, if, if, if that wasn't, you know, that big, you know, all those fumbles. And if it wasn't that way, and if he did, you know, lead the Jacksonville Jaguars to toppling the only remaining undefeated team in the Philadelphia Eagles, all that, like we would still be talking about him, him here on Tuesday. Well, I guess we, we are, but certainly in a, a much more favorable, <laughs> <laughs> certainly much more favorable circumstance. Uh, mine is, is very, very similar. Lauren, mine is not the, the committing of the yike, it's the fact that the yike happened to the player that it happened to, and it is that fourth and goal interception that Lamar Jackson ends up throwing in the end zone against the Buffalo Bills that allows the Buffalo Bills to then get possession, head down the field, and then kick a game-winning field goal to walk away. I believe it was 23, yeah, 23-20. And so for me, I just wonder, 
like the Harbaugh decision to go forward on fourth and goal as opposed to kick the field goal and try to take the lead, right? And then sort of, you know, I think I saw the win probability being going for it and being successful was 71% win percentage. Kicking the field goal was like 67% win percentage at that point. So the, the, I guess, you know, 4%, maybe I guess you might want to take that, but it doesn't feel like it was that drastic a thing that you, you know, needed to go out there and do that and needed to go for it, that you could have taken the field goal, that you could have rested your laurels on your defense, at least force a field goal attempt to send it into overtime as opposed to give up a touchdown. The Buffalo Bills have been maybe up until this week, the the best team in the NFL. And I would say even still, like we'll still be calling them the best team in the NFL in a couple of weeks or so as they get healthier. But, you know, the even despite that, like this was the game where all of a sudden they didn't look like the Buffalo Bills they looked like early on, didn't trust that, you tried to go for it, and then, oh, the interception inside the five, rough. I, I will say this, when when it comes to John Harbaugh, I can understand how it might be hard to take the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hand. You know what that I mean? Is, like, that is true. That is true. You know yeah. I've got this MVP caliber quarterback. I'll kick the field goal. Like, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I, more often than I'm going to say, I'm going to trust my playmaker to make a big play. And sometimes it doesn't go your way, but I think it's good. Pro- it can be good process as opposed to bad results to, to let Lamar cook. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's absolutely right. And for me, like, that's exactly where it is to where the yike is that it happened to Lamar Jackson, who is my MVP favorite this year, who I've been saying, this is the guy that's going to win the MVP all year. And so far, he's still looking like it, like despite that interception, despite all that, but you know, the narratives now get impacted and blah, 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 blah. And stuff. so it's just going to be a noisy lead up to week five for Lamar Jackson. And that's very unfortunate. And to me, that is a yike. We appreciate you, everybody, for coming through for another episode of Locked in NFL, for making us your first listen of the day every day for your second listen. Make sure you go and check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. More NFL news and analysis from former NFL scout Matt Williamson and NFL analyst Brian Peacock. Less than 30 minutes wherever you're listening or watching this podcast. You can find that one as well. For Lauren Cox, I'm Ross Jackson. We appreciate you very much for being here with us. Tony and James on the other side for you tomorrow to help you get ready for week five and wrap up all of the big thoughts week four uh big injury to uh, uh denver broncos running back javante williams what are they doing next tony and james will be breaking some of that down uh, here as we continue want to get you all the biggest stories around the nfl in less than 30 minutes appreciate you everybody here for being with us don't forget to find us wherever you get your podcast subscribe on youtube all of that good stuff we are part of the locked on podcast network your team every day